You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Now, I, I wanted to focus this morning on, on this passage that, that Joe gave me to, to share with you, and, and I think it's a really powerful passage. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 25. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to get there ahead of me. But it really focuses on David's prayer. I think it's a prayer that we've all prayed. And if, you re- if you've read it, you kind of get that, that idea. This is a prayer that David's praying, one that you've probably prayed as well. And it's, it kind of goes like this. God, which way do I go? Have you ever felt that way? You know, it's, it's a prayer that we, we prayed. Maybe you're praying it right now. And, and you're asking, God, should I go to this school? God, should I buy this dog? And I say that, and you're thinking, why? Is, I had someone call me the other day, two weeks ago, as I was putting this message together. And he goes, Dallas, I, I just don't know. Should I buy a dog? What do you think the Bible says about that? <laughs> And you maybe prayed that prayer, right? Should I buy this dog? Should I go out with him? Should I break up with her? Should I take this job? All of those are questions that, and you may be in that situation right now where you don't know what to do or what God wants you to do. And you are asking him for help. How many of you have prayed that pra- are praying that prayer right now? Maybe? What do you want me to do, God? Now, John Piper said something I thought was really powerful. He said, some of us, the will of God has become an idol. And we want to know the will of God more than we want to know God himself. We think that if we find out the will of God, that it'll somehow magically solve all of our problems, right? It'll take all the uncertainty out of life, it, it'll, it'll help us achieve our dreams, right? But I want to tell you, you cannot be saved from sin by the Christ of the Bible if you reject the Christ of the Bible. And the Bible doesn't talk so much about God's guidance in our lives as it, as it points us to the guide. Does that make sense? The Bible does talk about God's guidance in our lives, but the emphasis is in a different place. it's, It's not about us. It's not about me. It's about God. And honestly, knowing God is is not as easy like that. I mean, if we think about it, it's more challenging. But that's what God desires for our lives, is for us to have an intimate love relationship with him. God's guidance is not what he gives you, but what he does with you and for you. And so if you've got your Bibles, and let me turn there. I've already told you to turn. I hadn't turned there myself. So I want to read it together and kind of get an idea of what he's really saying to us. So he says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, 
None who wait on you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O God, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth for my, or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. For he will pluck my feet out of the net. For I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my dis dis distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes. And with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of his troubles. I want to give you a little background of this passage before we dive into it and... and, and and I want you to notice what David is struggling, struggling with, right? He's struggling here. And the first thing I notice is David is struggling with fear. One of the greatest problems that each and every one of us probably has deep inside of us, and we never want to admit it, is fear. But look at what he says here. He says in verse 2, Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. In verse 19, he says, Consider how many are my foes and what violent hatred they hate me. You see, David was afraid. For his, this is tough, David. Remember, David killed a giant. He killed lions and bears, and yet he was afraid. He was afraid for his life, or maybe it was just his reputation. But he was afraid. He was lonely. Did you see that? As you read it in verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. You know, you quickly discover who your friends are when you're in trouble, right? And David was alone, all by himself. 
four different times, David mentions he's guilty. He felt guilt and shame for his sin. Verse 7, remember not the sins of my youth and my transgression. Verse 8, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. Verse 11, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. You ever felt that way? Do you still feel that way? Verse 18, consider my affliction and trouble and forgive all my sin. And that not only was he afraid and lonely and, and guilty and shamed, but you know what? He was confused. You ever feel a little confused? Because in verse 4 he says, make me to know your ways. Oh, Lord, teach me your paths. I wonder how many of you this morning can relate to one or maybe all of his inner struggles that he had. There are 18 petitions in these 22 verses, 18 prayers, 18 requests. I, I think one of the things I really love to do when I open a passage of scripture like this is I want you to catch how easy it is to understand scripture and look for things like this. You see, what was David afraid of? What was he, what was he concerned about? Why was he lonely? Why was he heavy with guilt and confused? And yet, David comes to God with 18 different prayer requests, right? He prayed about every part of his life. And he came to God and, and was deep in prayer. And I want you to notice that. You see, what David does in each of these petitions is talk about his current situation, his current life. The Bible teaches us that we should pray without ceasing, right? Amen? You guys are following me here? You and I should be praying. And David gave us an example of a man who came with every problem, every petition, and he said, God, here I am. Here's my life. But how? Now, I want us to dig into this here a little bit. How do we know God's will? I mean, that's what you really want to know, right? If Dallas, you brought it up, now tell me. How do I... Should I do this or that? Do you, do you know... Do you know what you're supposed to be doing this morning? Or are you more like David in Psalm 25? <laughs> I think I fit into, my life's not so easy most of the time, right? I, I'm often unsure about what God's will is for my life in certain situations. But with all of my heart, I want to know what he is wanting me to do. With all of my heart, I want to know God's ways and his will for my life. That's who I am. That's who David is, and I hope that's who you are this morning. In Psalm 25, we have a prayer for guidance. And I want us to dig into this psalm. Now, this psalm is really an interesting psalm. You'll never catch this unless you, unless you read Hebrew. And I don't want to make this hard, but you could read a commentary, and he'd probably tell you this. This psalm is an, 
is an acrostic. You know what that is? Where every verse starts with a letter. And it goes through the entire Hebrew alphabet, except for one letter. I don't know why he skips one letter. But it's an acrostic. And each verse starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And, And it kind of is a little bit chiastic. And if you look at passages like this, you ought to be looking for what is the main theme. And in verse 12 and 13, we see we see it kind of come to a peak. He says, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. And I want you to catch the big question. The big question is not how God guides, but who God That's the answer that Psalm 25 gives us. Not how, but who. And if you and I want to be that kind of person, we have to ask that question, am I the kind of man, am I the kind of woman who God will guide? And the Bible is clear about this, that you and I have a deceitful heart. And on this subject, I think we can be quickly deceived. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is is like that. And so listen to God's word today and let it guide us to know the internal workings of our heart. Listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. Are you the kind of person that God would guide. Now, there are several promises, at least two. He'll he'll bring these up here. Because, you see, I I want you to notice in this passage, other people cannot mess up God's will for your life. Did you know that? In verse 19, it says, Consider how many are my foes, and with what violence and hatred they hate me. (laughs) You can relate. Amen? You got, you got your enemies. You got your people that are always seem to be against you. Well, David had those kind of people too. And some of us live in the past focused on those people, right? We're always thinking about someone messed my life up. Your dad, your mom. Maybe it's some other relative. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's that ex-spouse or your present spouse. And, And she messed up my life. She condemned me to a life of second class citizenship or brokenness in my life. David had those kind of people in his life too. And if and if you're not dead, and I want you to catch this, I'm going to say it twice in this in this passage. If you're not dead, God's not done. He's not done with you. And and I want to remind you just for a few minutes of another guy in scripture that helps illustrate this point. In the book of Genesis, there was a man named Joseph, right? And Joseph's brothers sinned greatly against him. In fact, they wanted to kill him, but Judah said, no, no, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. 
And so they sold him into slavery. He became a slave in Potiphar's house. And his wife, you remember the story, accused him of rape. Then he got thrown in prison. I mean, those brothers really messed up his life. But ultimately, God used all those things in his life as a way to fulfill his destiny. Think about that for a minute. And Joseph summed up his faith and God's good intention for his life this way to his brothers. He said, and I want you to know, he didn't let him off the hook. He says, you did all these things. Right? But then he says this. You meant it for evil to me, but God meant it for good. Hmm. And it's that kind of faith, I believe, that, that enabled Joseph to forgive his brothers and, and move in his life. And some of us this morning need to get right. You might be trapped in a cycle of bitterness this morning, anger at someone back there in your past, and you know who you are, and you know who they are. They did you wrong, and you're playing that weird country song, they done me wrong song in their mind day after day after day. And you need to write a brand new song this morning, and so I want to help you with the lyrics. You need to write their name down, and then sing to that in a prayer exactly what Joseph said. You sing to that name every day until God gives you freedom. What you meant for evil, God means for my good. There's a second thing I want you to notice here. Not only other people can't mess up God's will for your life, but your mistake doesn't permanently mess up God's will for your life either. And sometimes we sit there and we think about all the things we've done wrong that God could never use me. I am a living testimony of God's grace. David's own story is filled with grace. We don't have to look very far. In verse 11 it says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. He knew. I mean, you know David, right? He had an adulterous affair with somebody else's wife. Then had him killed. David killed a bunch of people. His entire life was filled with blood. And yet the Bible calls him a, a man after God's own heart. You see, God had promised and God used David. And God established his kingdom. Think about this. God established his kingdom through David. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about this. The Messiah was in the line of David. God does not have a plan B. Jesus came through the sinful decisions of man. The sinful choices that he made. And God does not make any mistakes. He only has one plan. 
And you and I can't mess it up. So let me say, one more time, if you're still breathing, God's not done with you. Amen? Now, who is it that receives God's guidance? And I'm going to go through this really quickly because do you have all the answers? Are, 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 are you this morning coachable? Because you see, the person that God guides is a person that's teachable in God's ways, who's coachable. In verse 4, it says, Make me to know your way, O, o Lord. Teach me your paths. God guides those who are teachable, who are coachable. Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, about this, we have much to say. <laughs> and it's hard to explain since you've become so dull to hear. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not some solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, a baby. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the power of discernment trained by constant, and I want you to catch this, by constant practice to distinguish what is good and evil. You see, a prerequisite for God's guidance is having a coachable There's a second thing here. If you want to receive God's guidance, you know what you're going to be? You're going to be humble and obedient to the commands of God. Look at verses 9 and 10. He says, he leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble in his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. That's cool. Amen? How, how do you know the, the will of God? Well, you experience it. You experience the will of God by walking obediently in the way. You know, one of my professors in seminary used to always say, he said, if God says something to you once, you should do it, right? But if he says something five times, you really ought to be paying attention. And, and we, have a, we have a great commission, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, right? Did you know it's found in every one of the four Gospels, the book of Acts, and I would argue that I find it again in the book, some of the epistles, that we ought to be going and making disciples of all nations. Are we obedient in that simple command that's repeated over and over? But maybe God's laid on you another command that you ought to be doing something about today, right now. Let us start where we know God wants us to listen and obey. I think that's really important for us this morning. There's a third thing that you and I ought to trust and wait on the promises of God. Look at verses 2. 2 and 3 and, and then verse 14. It says, oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. 
This is where it gets hard, isn't it? I mean, you and I live in a culture that's like instant gratification. Amen? I mean, I get mad if I go through McDonald's and it takes more than a few minutes. If, if I have to pull off while they make something, oh, doesn't that just irritate you? You know, you have so much to be thankful for in your lives. I mean, you've got a wonderful worship team. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You've got a wonderful pastor and, and elders at your church. Mm. And you've got a Dunkin' Donut. When I drove through this morning, they handed me my order before I ever even paid. Mm. Mm. Talk about instant gratification. Donut holes instantaneously. But I'm going to tell you, even though we live in a culture that's trained us that instant gratification is what we ought to expect, the Bible teaches us that we should be willing to wait. We should be willing. That's what faith is. Faith is something hoped for. We have a wonderful hope that's awaiting us. Look at verse 14. I love this. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. He makes known to them his covenants. In, in my Bible, there's a little footnote. Another way of translating, and many translations use this translation. What they say is the secret counsel of God. And so instead of friendship, many translations just say, say this. They say, the secret counsels of the Lord are for those who fear him. Think about how cool this just turned. I mean, I, I think this is amazing. You see, the idea is that we have such a close relationship with God that he tells us his secrets. I mean, think about that. How many times, some of you who have been walking with the Lord, do you remember a time where you just knew God was speaking to your heart. And it's in those special moments of just knowing God just revealed his secret, his deepest thought that I long for again every morning. Amen? This is when you know, when we trust and we wait. And waiting's not easy. I'm telling you but it's worth it. And number four, I want you to notice we need to depend on the grace of God. Verse 10, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. All, <laughs> I love this passage. It says all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. You and I, if we're to receive God's guidance, we've got to depend on his grace this morning. And here's where it starts. All the wrath of God. All the wrath of God, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, has been paid in full on the cross. I mean, we sing that song. Jesus paid it all. But here's where the rubber meets the road. Do we trust him? With that, do we depend on that? 
Do we live like we actually believe that Jesus paid it all? Or do we still live in all the shame of the past, the brokenness of the present, or are we hopeful to the future? You see, I, I can tell you the, the truth is, is that the world's broken. Everything's broken. Everything's damaged by sin. For all is sin and for so the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. The world is so broken. But that is why we need a redeemer. We wait for his return. And he has promised to come back. And we need to depend on his grace as we walk through this life every day. I mean, think about it. How many of you know Romans 8.28 by heart? It's one we've memorized a lot, but have you applied it to your life? If you don't know Romans 8.28, it says, all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. One of the realities of that verse is that not everything is good. <laughs> in fact, you and I could go down a long list of all the bad things in, in your life, in the world. We turn on the news every day and we see something that just makes our stomach, ugh. We, 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 we experience it in our lives when, when we're in conflict, when we live in fear, in loneliness, right? All the things that David was feeling. Not everything's good. But God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So here's the truth in God's word. The Bible does not give us as much guidance as it invites us into a relationship. God is inviting you and me into a relationship with Jesus. To know Jesus. In verse 12, it reemphasizes that. It says, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, it says, for, for we are saved by grace through faith. And this not ourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. For we are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You and I are invited into a life of faith, not because we're perfect, but because we're redeemed. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for our sin. We trust him and we begin to follow him wherever he leads. And then he makes known his secret counsel to us. So what? So what does all this mean for you and I this morning? Well, the first thing I noticed, and you should notice, if you, if you didn't take notes till now, this is, this is where you really got to write down a note. First thing we need to think about in this passage is that we need to come to God in prayer with every area of our lives. If we want to have a relationship with Jesus, it starts by having a relationship where we come to God in prayer. We need to come with everything 
Don't think God's not uninterested in you. He says, pray without ceasing, right? There's a command there. And David exemplified it for us. We need to pray with, about all of our needs and all of our desires and all of our hurts. And secondly, we need to be a man or a woman that God will guide. And that starts with prayer, but it leads us to the word of God and being teachable, right? And humble enough to bend our heart and our knee to the Lord that we would obey what he's called us to do, even if it kind of hurts our pride. And then we need to stick with it. Don't give up. Stick with it. Wait and trust and today depend on the grace of God in your life. And all of that starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. If you've never trusted Christ, today I give you an invitation to stop going at it your way and turn and trust Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and start following him. Let us pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord, today if there's someone here who's been maybe just attending and they've not quite made that step of faith, they have not really believed that you are God, that you died on the cross for their sin, They've not agreed with you about that and, and turned from sin and trusted Jesus Christ. I pray that today your word would prick our hearts, that today we would turn from sin and begin to trust Jesus Christ and what he did for us, and that we would start praying. Father, if there's someone here who has been more worried about your will than knowing you. Lord, I pray that as we, as, as, as Christians, as followers, as servants of the Most High God, that we would desire Jesus. That we would put our heart and our lives into this psalm and applying it to each part of our lives. Lord, may we be people, may we be people who trust and obey you, who are willing to be coached and, and taught by your Holy Spirit today. May we be obedient to your word. Lord, may we, may we grow in our faith this morning. And if there's one person here who hasn't trusted you, Lord, we give them an opportunity to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.